I don't you open your mouth in the next one minute and begin to worship and thank God. We've come before God, the Father Almighty. I just want us to pray in the next minute and thank Him. You know who you have come to. May we have a heart of worship this morning before the Lord. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise. Hallowed be your holy name. Thank you. Adeni mazu hansoni mashaka haya deli madosi karasu kataka daso. We come out of a heart of worship this morning to say thank you, Lord. Receive all your praise, receive all your glory. We give you all glory. Thank you, Lord. Dimazu hansoni mashaka dela badoli madesa di kadebozi katade namozi. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise for this morning. Thank you. Father, we thank you this morning as we come before your holy word. And as we've worshipped, O oh Lord, we thank you that our worship has become a sacrifice of praise unto you. We commit the rest of the service into your hands. We thank you that your spirit divine will be in absolute control of the service. May your word have an impact, a direct impact on our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Um, please open your Bibles with me to the book of John chapter 12, verse 12 to 19. I'm glad to come your way again with um, our sermon as we continue our series on the book of John, the Lordship of Jesus Christ, volume 3. And today's our 57th installment. John chapter 12, verse 12 to 19, I read. The next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. And his disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him, that they had done these things to him. Therefore, the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of his tomb, raised him from the dead, bore witness. For this reason, the people also met him, because they heard that he had done this sign. The last verse, that's verse 19. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, You see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Amen. Based on our reading for today, I'm ministering under the sub-theme, Lord, open my understanding. So last week, we did establish um, the truth that between this chapter, that's chapter 12, and chapter 19, uh, chronicles the last seven days of Jesus' activities, doings, and sayings before he went on the cross. We started off with the Saturday, that was last week where he went for a dinner and uh, at, at Simon the leper's house. 
And from that story and scenario, we unveil certain truths and implications. Uh, today, the verse that we just read was the next day after he had gone for a dinner at Simon the leper's house, and which was a Sunday. And Jesus sitting on a donkey coming into Jerusalem uh, amidst shouting and jubilee. And this is where we get the term Palm Sunday from. Amen. And as we all know, all of us are Christians here. Uh, Palm Sunday is a fixture on the Christian calendar. Um, this story is also recorded in <clears throat> Matthew chapter 21, verse 1 to 11. Mark chapter 11, verse 1 to 11. And Luke chapter 19, verse 28 to 40. Uh, like I said last week, to get the fuller picture and flesh out details of Jesus' accounts, it's very important to find out if they are recorded in any of the other books that is pertaining to from Matthew to John. So anytime you read a scripture in the Gospels, you know, Matthew to John is called the Gospels. Try and find out uh, whether that same account is in the other books and then read them and compare them side by side. Normally it helps you to understand uh, the bigger picture of the events. Amen. Someone will say, Pastor, how will I find out? You can ask Siri. Amen. I'm sure Siri will be able to help you. If Siri can't help you, I'm afraid. <laughs> Amen. We are really at the end of the world. Amen. Now, the Bible lets us know that the Jews took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him. And based on what they did, I want us to consider two actions from this great multitude. Uh, number one, the Bible lets us know they took branches of palm trees. And number two, they went out to meet him. All these had a deeper meaning behind it. For example, when you look at the Jewish people making palm trees, branches of palm trees, it was a symbol of Jewish nationalism. Okay? It, it, it spoke of patriotism and it spoke of them welcoming, especially when they go for battle and when they are coming back or even when they are welcoming in a new king. You know, during those times when the king was um, what's the word I want to even use? Coronated. Normally, they will have to go around the city. And, and one of the ways to announce the arrival of the king, that this is the new ruler who will be in charge of the province, was to make palm branches. It was a symbol of nationalism. So they made that. And then secondly, they went out to meet him. It spoke of their eagerness. They were expectants. They were looking forward to seeing Christ. But there is a problem here. Looking at the two actions, we realize that the crowds that had gathered, they missed the forest for the trees. They rather looked to Jesus as a political and a national savior, but not as a spiritual one. Because among the Jewish folklore, it was believed in their time that they would be delivered from Roman captivity. And mind you, Israel at that time was under the Roman Empire. So even though they were living in Jerusalem and they were Jews, they were, they were under colonization. 
by the Romans. So the, the, in, in Israel, they had a Roman governor. It is similar to how certain indigenous countries colonized other countries. You see that your country is there, but you are not independent. And then they will send a representative of their country to become a governor. It, it, it's a mirror picture of something of that sort. And the Jewish people believed that one day there was going to be one who will come in the name of the Lord like Moses. That's why the Jewish people loved Moses. Because, and they saw him even as a god. Because they saw Moses as a political messiah. They saw him as a savior. They saw him as someone who came to wrest power from the Egyptian and from Egyptian captivity and take Israelites through the wilderness. And of course, Joshua completed them to the promised land. So they really believed that one day there was going to be another kind of Moses who was going to come. And when he comes, he is coming to deliver us from Roman captivity. And when he delivers us from Roman captivity, now we can really say that we are in charge of Jerusalem. This was what the Jews were really looking forward to. And they also believed that the person who will come like Moses will do miracles. Hence their exclamation. You see, so in John chapter 11, when Jesus Christ raised Lazarus from the dead, that went like wildfire and, and it broadcasted news that there is a Messiah in town. But the ending of Messiah was quite different. Amen. Now, when Jesus was coming, we realized that he was sitting on a donkey. And we have to understand why Jesus was sitting on a donkey. Like I said last week, there is nothing that is in the Bible that is insignificant. Everything that is in the Bible has a purpose and a meaning behind it. Now, the author who wrote this, which was John, he was careful to put in quotes Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, which reads, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. And I read verse 15 of our Bible reading. Now, it was very important for that to be in because when Jesus sat on a donkey, it was the fulfillment of an age-long prophecy by Zechariah. Zechariah prophesied that one day there was going to come the Messiah who is going to sit on a donkey and come to Jerusalem. And that scripture became fulfilled. So it makes me know that the Bible that we hold, this Bible, it is a sure word of prophecy. No wonder Apostle Peter, who lived during that time and who witnessed this, came to the conclusion that we have this Bible or this word, which is a sure word of prophecy. Whatever God has said concerning the events that will lead up to the second coming of the Lord, think it not for one moment that it is not going to come to pass. The Bible is a sure word of prophecy. The second thing that we have to consider is the animal that Jesus was sitting on. It was a donkey. A donkey is not for war. And a donkey is also not used by a warlike person. In fact, conquerors, they sat on war horses or chariots. This was what they sat on. So an animal, it, it symbolizes peace. 
So an, an animal was also modest. And normally a donkey was also a load-carrying vessel. But aside that, there were also certain people that used it as their means of transport. Normally, an animal, uh, normally a donkey was an animal for a man of peace. It was also for a priest. You know, a priest don't ride chariots, they don't ride horses, they ride donkeys. And merchants also rode donkeys. So sometimes when you see someone riding a donkey, it could mean three things. Either he is a man of peace, bringing good tidings, or he is a priest, or he is a merchant, or the like. So when Jesus sat on a donkey, and when he came into Jerusalem, whilst the people were hailing and chanting of him that he is going to be the new political and national messiah or savior, Jesus, by sitting on a donkey, was also announcing himself to Jerusalem that, look, I am the prince of peace. I am the high priest. And I am a merchant. Why does Jesus call himself the prince of peace? He is the prince of peace because by him dying on the cross, he has abridged the gap that existed between the world and the Father. And that's why Apostle Paul quoted in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that God has reconciled the world back to himself by Christ. And that's what makes Christ the Prince of Peace. It makes him the Prince of Peace not just because he came to give us peace, but it's because we have been reconciled with God and we have peace with God. And that's why Christ is the Prince of Peace. He is the High Priest and during the Israel um, and um, time of worship, a high priest was one who normally atoned for the sins of the people. Jesus Christ came to atone for our sins, but there is a difference between his priesthood and the Levitical priesthood. The Levitical priesthood did it yearly. Jesus did it once. He offered his blood once and for all, and after that, we have been declared righteous. And now, Jesus also came as a merchant. When you read Matthew chapter 13, verse 45 to 46, a very interesting parable is there. That the kingdom of God is like a merchant, one who is seeking for beautiful pearls. And when he finds a pearl of great price, what does he do? He, he, he trades everything he has just for those pearls. Jesus, who was riding the donkey, was also announcing to them, I am a merchant. I came to the world and I came to redeem, which is to buy. I came to buy you back from the captivity of the enemy so that you can be a prized and a holy and a purchased possession to God. Amen. Now, in our verses today, I couldn't help but notice four kinds of people and their response. Whilst the jubilation and the chanting and everything was going on, you will see four kinds of people and how they responded to this. And I think this is something we can all learn from. When you read from verses 12 to 13, the Bible talks about a great multitude. 
And what were they doing? They were chanting. They put their clothes on the floor for Jesus who was riding on the donkey to walk on the clothes. And they chanted, Hosanna, which means save now, save now. They saw Jesus in the wrong light. Jesus came as a savior. You see, Jesus was not concerned about delivering the people from Roman captivity. A political revolutionary can do that. Jesus came to deal with something bigger than that. He came to deal with a pandemic. Pandemic didn't just happen in 2020. Or in the 1700s, wherever it was. The first pandemic was sin. Do you know that this pandemic, as deadly as it was, it didn't affect the whole world? In fact, 14 countries were not affected. 14 countries. We, we have 196 countries. 14 countries have been declared um, zero cases. So the pandemic, as deadly as it was, it didn't affect everybody. But sin is a pandemic. Sin affected the whole world. Sin made the whole world into captivity. Sin sent the whole world to hell. And this is the reason why Jesus came. He didn't come just for political independence. It's bigger than that. He came to actually offer independence out of sin, out of the well system, out of death, and out of hell. But the great multitude, they were so fixated on their freedom that they forgot how spiritually bankrupt they were. They saw Jesus in a wrong light. The second group of people I want us to consider are the disciples. Verse 16. And the Bible lets us know that they didn't understand. Is it possible that you can be so close that you lose cognizance of who Jesus is? Because these people were close. Do you know that up to this point, they had been with Jesus for three years? But they couldn't tell he was the Messiah. They couldn't tell he was the Savior of the world. They had no understanding of what was going on. They were lost. Can it be possible that you can be in church all your life and still will not know Christ? Can it be possible? The third group of people we see are those who saw Lazarus' resurrection. And that's in verse 17 to 18. And they, they were just spectators. They just came to see another sign. Because for them, seeing someone who has been dead for four days in a tomb and being resurrected was too good to be true. We have to follow this man. Perhaps we will have another spectacle. Perhaps he is greater than Moses. Because the Jewish people, one of the miracles they knew was Moses turned the rod into a snake. This is greater than Moses. They were debating. Perhaps in their barber shops. Barber shops are the place where most times there are debates. Who is greater? Is it Moses or is it Jesus? No, Moses turned the rod into a snake. Moses parted the Red Sea into two. No, this man is actually greater because he actually raised a dead man who had been dead in the tomb for four days. I saw it with my own eyes. They bore witness to that miracle. 
and they were spectating. What's next? And that was their response. And then the last group of people are the Pharisees. And whilst this was going on, they were rather envious. They were wicked. They were thinking of, look at this man. The whole world has gone after him. They were envious. And as we can see, the triumphant entry was not really a triumphant entry because the meaning or significance behind this was lost in translation. There were people who were hailing Jesus, but they were hailing him for the wrong reasons. But as you and I know, Jesus didn't come to set up his kingdom on heaven. Even though they called him a king, he was not concerned about this earthly kingdom. He came to set up a kingdom that will make him the king of kings and the lord of lords. He was a king because he was interested in delivering us out of the captivity of sin. He was interested in something grander. He was interested that we will become partakers of the resurrection one day. That is the big picture. That is our destiny. This was what Jesus was more interested in. To wrest us out of the domain and the power and the control of Satan. This was what he was more interested in. But as we can all see, his disciples were clueless, having no understanding, and or they never understood the moment. There were other spectators who just followed Jesus for a show. It is so unfortunate that all that we are doing, we can just reduce it to a show. What a waste of time. There were people who were privy to see the miracles of Jesus, but it never changed them. They never came to the place where they said that Jesus is Lord. They rather saw him as a show. And sometimes you can come to church seeing it as a show. You reduce church to a Netflix episode. You reduce church to a soap. And it's bigger than that. It's bigger than a show. In the midst of the Jubilee, evil was also brewing somewhere in the corner of the Pharisees. They were envious. So today's story, it shows us how near we can be, yet so far. These people saw Jesus tangible enough to touch. They could feel him. I'm sure some held his clothes. I'm sure some touched him, yet they were far. You can be so near, yet far. What's an oxymoron? You can be so near, yet far. Without understanding, listen, we will miss the divinity of Christ. We will miss the essence and the purpose of what true Christianity is all about without understanding. So the import of today's message is Jesus wanted to outdoor himself to the world as a savior who is also the prince of peace and who is our high priest. The act of dying on the cross for us is similar to a merchant seeking for pearls. If there is any prayer I want us to pray today, it is, Lord, open my understanding of who you truly are to me. May I know the essence, the purpose of Christianity. May I not miss the moment. Even as I'm in this Sunday service, 
Lord, may I not miss the moment. Open my understanding. Open my understanding that I may know you as God. Open my understanding that I may know you as the Son of God. Not what Pastor Steve is saying or what Pastors Jessica or Robert are saying. Open my understanding that I might truly know you for myself. Open my understanding, O oh Lord, that I might not miss this moment. Because every moment in the presence of the Lord is a defining one. May you not miss the moments. May what we have to understand not be lost in translation because we have a darkened mind. So today I want us to close with a prayer that Lord, open my understanding of who you truly are. Jesus was being prophetic, but nobody caught the cues and all the clues. Nobody caught them. He said, I am a high priest. They didn't know. He said, I am the savior. They didn't know. They didn't catch it. He said, I am the Messiah. They didn't know. He said, I am the prince of peace. They didn't know. They didn't catch it. He said, I am the merchant. I am the merchant. They didn't know. All this was lost in translation. So what are we jubilating over? What are we shouting over? It's not enough just to shout. Your shout should have a purpose. So this triumphant in air quotes, was not really triumphant because the meaning of what Jesus did, the essence of what Jesus did was veiled in front of his audience. And what a sad reality. Today, join me in prayer as we pray that Lord open our understanding so that we will know who you truly are and the essence of this Christian faith. What's the essence of this Christian faith? Do you know what's the essence of this Christian faith? If you don't know what is the essence of this Christian faith, you will not last. You will not go far. Do you know who Christ really is? If you don't know who Christ really is, I have news for you. You will drop out of this race very soon. But when you know at least these two things, it centers you and it anchors you to keep on walking this Christian faith. Open your mouth and begin to pray. Open my understanding. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we ask for an open heart. May our understanding be flooded with light, we pray. Thank you, Jesus. Masatuli Bakashanda Namadusi Antalin Madoko. Open our understanding, O oh Lord. Open our understanding. May we not be spiritually blind. May we may 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 your divinity not become a mystery to us. May we know you indeed. Because it's only when we know you that we can make you known. May we know you, O oh Lord. Truly, may we know you. Thank you, Jesus. Samantha Loma Kando Shabakadima Dosikanta Yandere Mekuta Labrosakaya Debosika Baba. Father, we pray that may we know you. May we know you. Truly, may we know who you are. 
May we know the essence, the purpose of this Christian work of faith, Lord. Thank you, Lord. May we not be caught just shouting for nothing, but may our shouts be with a meaning and with a purpose because we've had understanding. I pray that may everybody's understanding here be enlightened in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And Father, as we continue on this quest of knowing you, O Lord, we thank you that ignorance will never be our portion. Spiritual blindness will never be our portion. A darkened understanding will never be our portion. May we have an enlightened understanding of the essence of this Christian faith. May we have an enlightened understanding of who you truly are in our lives, O Lord. And we've come to know that you are the divine. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I've delivered your word to your people. I thank you that by this act of faith, our understanding is truly open that we may come to behold the magnificence of who you truly are in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.